The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome into episode 25 of the Five Reasons Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, if you have Apple, on Stitcher, if you have Android, also Google Play. Um, one thing we have introduced this week is a new Twitter feed, so I can stop bothering people from the at Ethan J. Skolnick account. I'll do it a little bit, but not quite so much. Also at Chris Winningham. But the new t- new feed is at Five Reasons Pod, spelled out F-I-V-E reasons pod so follow us there because we'll be posting all day long uh, polls things tied to our episodes schedules and also information about an expansion of our podcast network which could be coming here in the next couple of weeks all right one of the things we have done here on the pod recently is add guests i actually pulled this on at five reasons pod and said would you rather have guests or just have chris or and i alone and guests won so nobody wants to listen to chris and i they just want to listen to whoever it is that that we bring bring on i also put anybody but jason leisure on the poll and that did quite well also but you can still check out leisure's episode if you subscribe and check out our library so our guest today you know him from Channel 10 down here in South Florida. Also, you can catch him when you're watching Heat Broadcast. You'll catch him on Fox Sports Sun, where we're John Crotty in the Palatial Studios in Fort Lauderdale. The Rooms to Go Lounge. The Rooms to Go Lounge. Uh, Kristen Hewitt always introducing it. It is Will Manso. Will, thanks for being part of this little party with us today. I'm so happy to be on. I'm actually sitting on a Rooms to Go couch, uh, relaxing here. So I feel like I'm in a lounge with you guys. So it, uh, is that one of the build. perks of the job? You 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 get you get some no, rooms to go. It's not the perk. It's almost, but I feel like I have to go to Rooms to Go since I always sit in their couches. I, when I buy furniture, I feel I have to go there. So I you know I, I, just to stay with the family program. Like, of course, I, I of sit course. on the couch like this. That's our first ad. I think here on the program. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we'll. The next is a sponsor. Uh, next step is a sponsor. Oh, that's been discussed, but we'll uh, we'll see. I don't think we're going to get paid for this one, but we, we appreciate you bringing that on. And what we want to talk about today here on the show, uh, and this came up uh, just in conversation that, that Chris and I have had about how this is a, sort of a transitional period for South Florida sports, a little bit barren in terms of stars. So what we're going to look at today is, is how great it was down here at one point, but identify also uh, who is the biggest star in South Florida sports at the moment. I, I think this is actually a difficult conversation to come up with. And then yeah, and, identify. And we, should, and we should say it came up because we were talking about the, the Sioux release and the Landry trade mm-hmm. and, and the moves that the Dolphins have made to basically get rid of their most famous players. And whether or not that's a good football move can be discussed, but it left the Dolphins without really any recognizable faces other than Tannehill for the most part. Yeah, and, and Tannehill, I, I don't know if most people would consider him a star at this point, particularly coming off almost a year and a half off of the field. So we're going to not only identify the guys who are the stars now, but but identify who are the stars of the future. And so we're going to start here with how great it was with part one at certain stages of South Florida's sports history. And just to go through uh, a little bit of this, uh, Will, and, th- and then kind of get to you on what you thought was kind of the mm-hmm. golden age. You know, I go all the way back here. I've been covering sports down here since 1996. 
So I, I can remember the late 90s. And in the late 90s, you had uh, the Heat had two legitimate superstars, you know, in terms of perennial all-stars in Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway. Hardaway, not quite with the reach that Dwayne Wade would get to, but still a legitimate NBA All-Star and a very competitive team. You had at the same time, you had the, the Dolphins. Marino, obviously, 99 was his last season, so that was the very end. But you had the emergence of, of Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas at that time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of carrying it forward for the Dolphins. And even the Panthers had a big star at that stage because Pavel Bure came here in 1999 mm-hmm. and was here for four seasons and, and was one of the premier goal scorers in the NHL. You know, the Marlins at that stage, uh, there wasn't anybody who really uh, – really jumped out but but still you, at least you had three of the teams that had had major stars and, th- and then i looked ahead to if you go to 2006 not only did you have you know shaquille o'neal and Dwayne wade with the heat but you had miguel cabrera entering his prime with the marlins so you had a, a legitimate a legitimate superstar there and and so I, I mean i guess when you look back at south florida and, and the times you've covered it i mean there have been times down here uh will where we had legitimate superstars and, you know, to your point, 99 is when I got here. So I got here right in the middle of that stretch you're talking about. When you brought up the subject for the pod and you started talking about how there are no stars in this town right now, at least not at their peaks and their primes and, and in different sports, I sat there and I thought, man, this is really right now, this is the downturn for stars in South Florida. It is because when you look back to that area you just talked about, you're talking about Alonzo Mourning, the big move Riley made, the splash to get Tim Hardaway. And yeah, they never won a championship, but those guys had to keep playing at that type of level for a long time. I got here in 99. I got to cover Dan Marino's last year. I know Dan. You know, I know the memory, okay, the 6-2-7, that, that final game, but he was Dan Marino. It didn't matter. I mean, he was still Dan Marino. He was still the biggest guy in this town by far. You go into the years you just mentioned with drafting D. Wade and Shaq, all the Dolphins players post-Marino, the guys that were there that then grew in the leaders like Jason and Zach, even to, to an extent, Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan were guys in this town that were considered star, legitimate you know, guys that you look to as faces of the town and the franchises. I mean, when you look at it now, the way it's changed, even Pavel Burry. You mentioned Pavel Burry. I, I did more stories in those four years of Pavel Burry than I have in the last 15 years since then of Panther stories. That's how much he transcended as a goal scorer and as a star as a face, because he was one of the stars of hockey. The way it's changed, I didn't see it coming. It was such a quick downturn, too, guys. It was just one moment to the next. You know, everybody started, you know, Dwayne left, and then all of a sudden the Dolphins started making moves, and the Marlins traded Stanton and Yelich, and, and you look around, and you're saying, well, my God, what are we left with in this town? Uh, it's a big change, nothing I've experienced in almost 20 years here. And you hope, and I know we're going to talk about it, you hope that the new wave of stars is on the way. But right now, this is the least star-ridden we have seen this town and star-driven that we have seen this town in at least 25 years. And that's incredible. And Will, and Will you know that this town needs stars, man. I mean, it, it's kind of like Los Angeles in that yeah. regard, where if, if we're going to latch on to our sports teams, it's not just being good, but being good with kind of the famous characters within the within the context of a league. So to me, to, to see where it is right now, and you're so dead on in terms of how quickly that happened. I mean, obviously, you know, the big three era, you know, it's 2014, and then you still had Dwayne Wade. You still had Chris Bosh, uh, obviously, and then the health problems arise with him. I think if Chris Bosh was healthy right now, he would be, you know, Miami's biggest star at the moment by a good distance but 
then sort of the whole big three era goes by 2016. And then, like you said, with the Stanton trade, I think Stanton probably would have been on his way to being that after a National League MVP season. So it just kind of goes yeah. to show you how, how it all changes in 18 months where Wade leaves, Stanton leaves, and Dominican Sue leaves, Jarvis Landry leaves, and all of a sudden – you're just kind of looking around, going, "All right, I mean, who's left? Like, who are the individuals? Wow, that, who are the individuals that are left to root for?" Yeah, and it's tough because you said it. This is a sports town that needs stars. You know, we love stars. I mean, we're we're Miami. We're we're hip and we're hot, and everything's supposed to happen. You know, we're supposed to be the big celebrities. Even Heat games now, when you know, and I hate to say it, I love going to Heat games. I love covering Heat games. But in the old days when it was like, who's courtside for the Heat game to watch? It was a who's who of the biggest celebrities in town. Now it's like slow rider. <laughs> you know, maybe now and then you get now and then you get Mark Anthony. It's definitely changed from the days where it was like, you know, it was the biggest stars and it was it was huge stars. And the funny thing is the two biggest stars in town now from name recognition in the sports world aren't even players. And that's Derek Jeter and David Beckham. I mean, mm-hmm. when you look at it from just an attachment internationally and just, you know, guys that just have that star power, Derek Jeter obviously is a, one of the owners of the Marlins. He is a guy that makes the needle move. And David Beckham, even for a town that's still wondering whether soccer is going to work or not, when David Beckham shows up in Miami, he moves. I mean, everything, the news cycle, everything revolves around him. We had that before in players, and at the moment we just don't. Can, can you just sort of articulate that point about Beckham real quickly? Because you've told me this before about how any time he shows up, the people who don't even work in sports at your station want to hear about it. Oh, it's good. You know, and, and it's the way Dwayne is now. Like, seeing Dwayne come back, now everything Dwayne and all the great work he's done with Parkland and all the things that he's done, him and Gabriel Union do, you know, he moves. Everything everything you go, you, you gravitate. But we were used to it with Dwayne because we had it for 13 years. But with Beckham, it's – I mean, guys, it's the same. When Beckham does something, if there's a little, you know, if somebody has a little blurb in the paper, hey, Beckham's coming in, or if he posts an Instagram, hey, he's in Miami, it's an immediate email to our in our station making the rounds like, hey, where's Beckham? Find him. What's he doing? Why is he here? But let's get video of him. I don't care how. It's amazing. <laughs> it's one of those few people. I mean, there aren't many guys I can name you that do that I mean, in the sports world. And that attachment to a guy that, A, doesn't really have an attachment to Miami, and B, hasn't even started his team here officially as far as, like, you know, being around and having a team tells you the star power he has. When David Beckham's around, all the news stations are the same. Everybody wants that shot of Beckham walking around and getting mobbed by people and interacting with kids or whatever he is he's doing in Miami. And you mentioned it. I mean, Beckham and Jeter, no no ties – to this area, and yet what's interesting with the two of those guys is that for Beckham, all the news has been good. For Jeter, all the news has been bad. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and yet those are still the two guys uh, who move the needle. And, and beyond that, if you look at it, even if you go down this list, before we get to some of the athletes here in part two, if you go down the list of people who would draw a crowd when they go somewhere, you could argue right now that next on that list, or maybe even ahead on that list, would be Pat Riley, who doesn't play either, or Mark mm-hmm. Richt, right? Like, I mean, the, or, you know, maybe even Eric Spolstra, that those would be the people that would draw the biggest crowd. I mean, the Dolphins have had an issue with this for a long time. I remember, you know, going to a bunch of charity events where there would be a Heat presence and a Dolphin presence, and, like, the Dolphins representative would be Joe Philbin, right? And so the Heat representative would be Chris Bosh or Eric Spolstra, and everybody wanted to take pictures. You know, I remember doing a, a, a going to, a, I think it was a Make-A-Wish event at this, and, like, nobody came up to Philbin. Now, Gase have, may have more presence than Philbin does, but, you know, I think when you look at it right now, it's still, uh, you know, you mentioned it, probably the, the trio that would get the most attention if, if they're having an event right now would be would be Beckham, Jeter, and Riley, I, I would think, yeah, yeah. Um, beyond any of the players down here. 
I call it the mole test. Who can walk through a mole without getting recognized? Or who can? Or who's going to get mobbed in a mole? And if you look at the athletes in this town, which I know we're going to talk about, there are very few athletes in this town from a facial recognition because they're such stars would walk through the mall and get stopped a hundred times. Most of them will get maybe, maybe, you know, a couple of, oh, I, you know, a, a Panthers fan, a Dolphin fan notices somebody. But for the most part, you have a small list where those guys can't walk through. Pat Riley can't walk through the Aventura Mall without everyone not noticing. Everybody's going to notice him. You met David Beckham, forget about it. Not only is he noticed, but we got news crews behind him. I mean, everybody, everybody notices these guys. And when you do the mall test in, in South Florida sports these days compared to when we talked about, you know, even just five years ago, the change is enormous, and it happens so suddenly. It's amazing that the guys that are most popular in this town, most recognizable, like you said, they're not even players. I mean, outside of Dwayne, as far as, again, star recognition, there aren't that many, and that's a huge change, something I didn't expect. Yeah, let's get to some of the athletes now, too, because you mentioned uh, you know, guys who are recognizable or not recognizable. And I put up a poll here on our, our Twitter feed, at 5 Reasons Pod for the top athlete currently in South Florida. So I put four names on there. Okay. You know, and, and, and it was a little bit challenging to find these names, to be honest, because, you know, as you mentioned, if we'd done this three months ago, Giancarlo Stanton would have been on that list. Uh, and now McInsue, even though he wasn't you know, out there in the community all that much, probably would have been on that list. Jarvis Landry would have been on that would list. Have, and, and you can make an argument that Yelich or Ozuna would have been on that mm-hmm. list. That, that either of those guys, in terms of what they've produced here over the past couple of years, have been at least as productive as any others. So I intentionally didn't put Dwayne on there because, again, it, I, you know, I think it, it goes without saying right now that, I mean, Dwayne had a feature on CNN this morning. I mean, there's no other South Florida yeah. athlete that that would happen with. But again, it, this is the second time around for Dwayne. You know, we, he may retire at the end of the season. We don't know. So, I, you know, I think it goes without saying that, that Dwayne is, is the most popular South Florida athlete currently playing, but he's also not at the level uh, that he was at right. from a, I, I think, from a playing I think, I think what we're talking about is like combination of popular and best. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of where, I don't know if like, I think people might still say that Dwayne might be in that conversation just based off of what's happened since he's come. But I don't think, uh, you know, 36-year-old Dwayne Wade is really someone who you'd make that argument for. But it does speak to the dearth of other people. That, that The fact that Dwayne can come back here after, you know, two years, almost two years in the wilderness and come back as a bench player and still be possibly considered not only the most popular athlete in town, but, but the best. But here's, here's the four names I put on there. Goran Dragic, you know, first-time All-Star this year. Alexander Barkov the Panthers' best player. The Panthers currently trying to chase a, a playoff spot, although this weekend was disappointing. And then I put two Dolphins on there because I, I, there was no Marlin, really, that sufficed at this point. And, and at this no. stage, there's no Hurricane because the quarterback of the Hurricanes, and we can talk about them a little bit, may be replaced this offseason. And so they may have a replacement that ends in Perry that, that ends up on this list. But for right now, uh, they don't have one. So I put two Dolphins on there, and the only two guys that I could come up with were Cameron Wake and Rashad Jones. And, you know, we, we talk about Wade being, you know, 36. What's Cameron now? 35, 35 I guess. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah 35. Yeah, and Rashad Jones coming off a of Pro Bowl season. So I put these four names on the list. And uh, Dragic won in the landslide. Now, part of that may be our audience, uh, which tends to skew heat. The same thing might have happened if I put Josh Richardson on there. Certainly would have happened if I put Dwayne on there. And maybe even with Hassan Whiteside. But Dragic got over 50%. Barkoff was second with a little over 25%, and Wake and Rashad Jones split the other 25%. And, oh, I, was wrong. Point, I was wrong, by the way. Cameron Wake's 36. 36, so same oh, well, age same as age, Wade. Yeah. And so if we put it to Will's mall test here right now, 
I can speak to this a little bit because I've been out with Goran in public places. And mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he can go anywhere without getting bothered too much and doesn't sure. although he's he's one of the friendliest people you'll ever meet. He's OK with that. Like he he likes being sort of out of the way. In fact, he, he told me that the All Star game, you know, was a bit much for him in terms of everybody coming up to him. And it's not really his style. You know, he, he doesn't care about the fame part of it so much. And Barkov, to get to him. I think anywhere outside of the Sawgrass Mills Mall, maybe uh, that would be the one mall test. That would be the one mall test be. he would pass because it's across the maybe street Broward from the mall. arena. Maybe Broward Mall. Maybe Broward Mall. But I mean, you have if you had Barkov down at Bayside, there is no chance, no chance, then anybody recognizes him. And yet, you can make the argument he's the best athlete in South Florida right now. So I weigh in on those guys a little bit, Will. Well, you know, the question is so hard to answer because when you guys talked about the idea for the conversation, I thought, okay, is it best athlete? Is it most popular? Is it a combination of both? And I, and I understand it's probably a little bit of both. It's hard for me now, especially given the previous conversation about how we've had so many stars through the years and now we don't, to not say Dwayne. I mean, I know Dwayne is not 28-point-a-game scoring champ Dwayne or even secondary role to the big three kind of 22-point, 20-point game Dwayne Wade. But he's still Dwayne Wade, and we, we, you saw it. When you said about CNN. You saw it when you say about local news. We see it with the columnists, and, and just and you know we also see it. I mean, the attendance. I know the Heat sell out every game, but as far as the resale value of tickets, people really wanting to go see Heat games because of Dwayne. Look, the broadcast, the, the ratings have shot up, and the Heat ratings have always been very solid. They were phenomenal during the big three years. They've been very good since then. They're back into the really, really good range up to you know the top five, top six in the NBA when you look at the averages since Dwayne came back. It's hard for me to ignore that, despite the fact we know he's more 12 to 13-point Dwayne Wade. It's still, to me, he is the star of this town. Now, to your point, I think any Heat player would too, because I think the Heat have kind of taken over that conversation because they're the last team to win and win big. They're going to have the attention. They're going to have the guys that you look at. But I just, it's hard for me to have this conversation and not say Dwayne because Warren is, a, is, a, is an excellent player, well-deserved all-star, but he doesn't move the needle when it comes to that personality and that outside basketball life. To your point of Barkov, same thing. It's, I like the Panthers and I want them to do well. And I think Barkov is phenomenal to watch and he's having a great season but I don't think anyone in South Florida knows who he is. I just don't. I think you have the diehard. You know, sometimes we get caught up in, in the people we chat with day in and day out, whether it be in person when they recognize us or via Twitter and social media. These are the few diehard, diehard fans and the few diehard Panther fans. I think the average person in South Florida has no idea who Sasha Barkov is. And that's not a knock on the player that he is. He's just phenomenal. But I just don't think anyone knows who he is. It's hard for me to say he's that next guy or that current guy when he's just not recognizable. He doesn't move the needle. He doesn't get people excited. So I guess my answer has to be Dwayne. And that probably says a lot about where we are in sports because Dwayne is not the player he used to be, but he's still a future Hall of Famer, a person who as a philanthropist and someone off the court means a lot to the community. It's hard for me to say otherwise. And the other thing too with Barkov, and it's something we've kind of talked about in other contexts before, is that, I mean, let's kind of be honest here. English is in his second language. He's from Finland. Mm. And he, he, and he, he's not true. and and you know the Panthers you know they're they're a Broward County team more than they are a Miami team and they never make the playoffs so they they need to make the playoffs and Barkov needs to have meaningful moments in order for that to happen when you compare it against Dwayne Wade it's just it's not even fair uh, the other thing too that we haven't really mentioned is approval rating 
and how kind of, you know, in the context of their sports and the way in which they play, the fans experience him. And so there's two athletes that I would kind of put in that area. I think Hassan Whiteside, from a performance point of view, you know, in terms of where he is in his position in the league, he's one of the 10 best centers in the league or wherever it is you want to rank him. He is a really quality player, but because the fans kind of find him so frustrating, I don't know if they're necessarily ready to get behind him as a star, but between where he is from a performance point of view and the audience he draws on social media, I would say Hassan Whiteside could have been up there, but I think there, there there's too much, Not I'd say probably negativity surrounding you know what he does either on or off the court from a maturity point of view. And then the other would be Ryan Tannehill, because I mm-hmm. think you know being the quarterback of the Dolphins for six years, you'd have to say most people know who he is. I, I don't know how much of a public person he is, but everyone knows mm-hmm. who he is. But the reason why he's not South Florida's biggest star is because there's a constant debate about whether or not he's good. And so I yeah. think that there that that combination of quality performance, approval rating, and celebrity. You're right, Will. I mean, it's Dwayne Wade at the moment. And to your point, though, on Ryan Tannehill, when you when you guys approached me to talk about this, the guy I put next on the list after Dwayne was Ryan Tannehill. Because to me, when you're the Dolphins quarterback, as much as we know Dolphins ratings have slipped a bit, and we know that there's a lot of frustration in the fan base, the Dolphins are still the Dolphins, and we all three of us know if the Dolphins went on an improbable 12 and four season this year and got to the AFC Championship game with Ryan Tannehill's quarterback, it would be the biggest story in town. It would dominate the headlines. Everybody would be wearing their their jerseys, and and, and the support would be there. They still have that power. They just haven't had a chance to show it because they've been mediocre for so long. Tannehill was still a, a recognizable guy. I mean, I think he's still a guy that when you go to the Dolphins games, you see that number 17 jersey on kids' backs. I think because he's the quarterback of the Dolphins, not necessarily because he's been some superstar. But if Ryan, if Ryan Tannehill ever took that next step and ever led the Dolphins into the playoffs, it would be instantaneously he would become a star in this town to that level we're talking about where he is in recognizable face because he would be on the news and the papers and the, on the social media talked about in every podcast blog whatever you want to name it he would be everything in this town so i don't know if there's another guy in this town that we could say that about that's not already a star like even if the panthers made a run this year and got to the second round made a run i still don't think that attachment to barkov comes if Tannehill ever did something like that with the dolphins it's immediate. People know who he is, and then he would be the face of the town for helping lead the Dolphins back to something that have been in a long time. But the thing about it, Will, is, and I understand the default position is, you know, quarterback of the Dolphins, and suddenly you, you become a, a face in this town. But it's been a long time since a quarterback of the Dolphins has been a face in this town. I mean, they've gone through a lot of quarterbacks. It never happened for Chad Henney. Uh, it, it never happened for Joey Harrington. It never, it never had a chance to happen for Dante Culpepper. John Beck, I mean, any of the list of guys, Cleo Lemon, that they've, AJ Feely, that they went through through the years. Jay Fiedler was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Well, 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 but 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 it's interesting, it's interesting, Will, for as much, you know, crap as Jay took, he wasn't the face of that team, because again, he was polarizing, and and Jason and Zach and Pat and Sam were more the faces of that team, but Jay was, you know, people had strong opinions on Jay, but Jay was also very popular with some people, and I would say he's the last one who, uh, you know, even though Jay never really said anything interesting publicly, he was very careful not to do that and very smart not to do that. Uh, I'd say Jay was the last one that had any of that kind of appeal. The thing about Tannehill is you just don't see him anywhere. Like, beyond the fact that he never says anything interesting, and the one time he said something interesting, he got in trouble for it, you just don't see him. Like, I mean, I even look at the situation, like we're talking about Wade and Parkland, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, you're the quarterback of the Dolphins. Like, the Dolphins are a, a Broward County, unlike the Heat, they're a Broward County-based team. I mean, they practice in Davie, right? Parkland and Davie yeah. are not that far apart. 
I mean, I don't know that Tannehill's been there or not been there, but there hasn't been any presence related with him. I just don't think he's made any imprint. Again, I, I've said this on a previous podcast. I think more people know more about his wife than they do about him, uh, really, yeah. uh, at, at this stage. I, I just don't know that he stood out in any way. And then you look at the Dolphins, and, and yes, the default position is that the Dolphins are good. We say that all the time. It's happened, what, twice in the last 15 years that they've been good. Yeah. Right. But you look at the other guys that they have right now. Again, Landry connected with the community because of his passion. I think that was the big thing. For The thing that it seems like the Dolphins didn't like was the thing that a lot of fans liked. And, and so Landry, I think, could have been the face of the Dolphins for a long time. Sue never had that and doesn't play a position where, where, where that translates. But you look at the other two guys on this list. I mean, probably, yeah, the two most accomplished Dolphins right now are Cameron Wake, who I think Dolphin fans genuinely like and respect. Uh, and, and that's a little bit of that celebrity because if you saw him in a mall, he'd look like a giant man. Yes. And I also think that although Cameron, you know, and I'm not around them like I used to be, but, you know, I I know Cameron doesn't seem from what I've heard, doesn't like to do a lot of media these days. But but he he's good on camera when he presents himself well. Uh, And Rashad Jones, who, you know, is probably the one guy who's closest to his prime, even though he's a safety who's Mm -hmm. already turned 30. But beyond that, man, like you look at their roster like it's there just isn't anybody right now who's accomplished anything of significance. And, And we're going to talk about you know, maybe uh, a couple of their possibilities going forward. But as far as their veteran guys, they, they just don't exist. Are we ignoring Kenny Stills a little bit? Because of, because of I mean, you talk about being in public. There's probably no NFL no, player who's, who's doing more in public right now no, than Kenny Stills. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that, Chris. Because to, to Ethan's point, to what you just said, there is a dynamic here that we're not talking about or that we're hinting at that's not talked about yet. It's that if you notice a common theme here with, with the guys we talk about, and I know that people hate when they say this, oh, it's about the media. It's not about the media. I'm not making this about us or about coverage. But, look, the way that these players reach you and the person that's listening now and the fan is through the media more often than not, right? I know they have their social media channels, but for the most part, it's the media. What's the common theme of all the star players we've talked about through the years? Accessibility, availability, prominence in getting their faces out there for certain causes, from Dan Marino and the causes he's done for autism and being out there in the forefront of events to Alonzo Mourning with the charities he started through Dwayne Wade and LeBron and these guys, they were not only always available from a perspective of charitable work and out there, but they were every day available. Ethan, you were there in the middle of it for four years. How yeah. often did LeBron James talk? Every twice day. a day. Twice a, twice, right. a, twice a day, Will. Shoot, shoot around in after games. Ryan Tannehill speaks yes. once a week on Wednesdays. Uh, I, you know, that's... It, it, it's, it's, it's a huge for five minutes and, and intentionally says nothing of interest and also doesn't do that. I know of will. He doesn't do a lot of radio like he's not out there in that way. I mean, he's not out there in a social media point now. I mean, you know, Chris and I spend a lot of time on this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, 
wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This on the podcast and the difference between the NFL and the NBA. And so there's a natural lean in the NBA to be out there. So, you know, that plays into this, too. But, yeah, he he just doesn't uh, translate in this way. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the Panthers do at least as much in terms of trying to get their guys out to the community. It's just like you said, it's more difficult, especially for a guy like Barkov, where English is is not his first language. But but as yeah, as far as as Tannehill goes, there just hasn't been a lot. But yeah, your point on Kenny Stills, Chris, is good, because the thing that Kenny Stills would need to do to become the stars, he needs to be their number one receiver this year. I mean, if that if that happens where he's clearly their number one guy um, and some of his his metrics start to translate into more targets and more catches, then he has the type of personality. He's done the type of work in the community, the outreach, the social media where there's a chance for him. So that's an interesting one. All right, we're going to look at some future guys here because, you know, again, the current guys, I mean, another guy we could have mentioned is Roberto Luongo, who, who may still have a higher profile than Barkov in terms of uh, the Panthers players and was was very active after the Parkland situation. So so Luongo is another name to throw in there. But let's look mm-hmm. at some possibilities here. Uh, start with part three. Uh, the pod. Let's look at some possibilities with the Heat, because, uh, again, we know that NBA guys translate. We know that Heat guys translate down here. So when Dwayne moves on, uh, Dragic is now in his 30s. You know, it, let's look at a couple of these guys that, that it could be going forward on the roster. So, so there are three guys that, that would stand out in terms of the current roster, which would be uh, Justice Winslow because of his draft position and, and what he was projected to become. He's still 21, just 21 years old. Josh Richardson, who, who's actually passed Justice uh, in terms of his play this year, although Justice has made up some ground lately. And Josh has the kind of personality that is magnetic, and he's out there with people and does, I mean, he DJs, he does, he plays FIFA with fans. I mean, Josh uh, mm-hmm. has that kind of personality. And then uh, kind of the wild card in this, because uh, I don't know that this was expected when he was drafted, but the rookie season that Bam Adebayo has had and at his age and what he could become, do you will see any of these three guys having a chance to become the face of this market? You know, I do, I, and I think, there are a couple other guys you can even throw in there 
and there are more wild cards too. Number one, to answer your question, I do. Because I think as the Heat succeed and play well, if they're truly a team that, and again, contender's a strong word. I, I don't know if, unless they get a superstar in the next couple of years, they're probably not going to be a contender when you talk to Battle of Golden State or be one of those teams. But just a very good team that can go into the playoffs and make a little bit of a run. I think any of those guys you just mentioned, because of different reasons, their personalities, you know, their, their play, a combination. But how about a guy like, and I know you guys are going to laugh when I say it, but how about Deion Waiters? I mean, he signed for the next three years. We saw how dynamic he can be and kind of that talking point guy because he's such a personality. I think if Dion played a full 82-game season and came back healthy and the Heat were good and he was averaging 18 a game, I don't see why Dion couldn't be one of those guys because talk about a guy who's active on social media. Talk about a guy who's not afraid to talk and not afraid to say things. And certainly the way he plays and with the personality, he's also a guy that if the Heat were good in the next year or two with him part of the team, could kind of transcend and go through and get and grab people because he's got that kind of charismatic personality that you love him or hate him, but you follow what he does kind of feel to him. But I do think to your point, yeah, the heat, the next person likely will come from the heat and they very well may not even be on the heat right now. It could be a, a trade or a free agent or something that that rally swings in the next year or two. That's what it would have to be for me because I, I just don't see any of the current heat players getting to a point where, and I, and I think this is also a little bit important is are they viewed in the in the sort of scope of the league as one of the best players at what they do? Like I was mentioning with Whiteside earlier, I think Whiteside's kind of one of the best at his position, but I just can't ever, I, I, I can't see a scenario where Josh Richardson's one of the 20 best ba- basketball players in the NBA and people who talk about the NBA on a national level are saying, oh, what the Heat have in Josh Richardson is the next budding superstar. I just, I don't think he's going to get to that point. I think he'll be a really good player, and I think we've seen from Justice Winslow kind of over the last month month that you know there there's still plenty there and that it, you, you'd be sort of foolish to write him off but I just don't see that level of internal improvement to where a Giannis is or a Joel Embiid is or a Kristaps Porzingis is where it's not just being talked mm-hmm. about locally it's being talked about nationally I know for Miami people it doesn't necessarily matter to be talked about nationally but I I just think that if we're talking about a face of a city a face of a team it kind of has to reach a little bit beyond Miami that's fair. I mean, that, that's a fair point. I, I, and I, I don't know if we have that in this town in any sport that's as far as a, a budding player. You know what I mean? Uh, you look at the Marlins, and, and they have young guys that may develop, but they're years away, and I don't know if they have that, that ability to transcend nationally. I mean, it, to that point, guys, did Giancarlo really ever transcend nationally until the end and he became a Yankee? I think people who follow baseball and follow fantasy sports, and, and you know, they knew who he was. But now when the Yankees, and you know, taking that big contract and being in New York is where he really transcends, here we kind of took him for granted. He was kind of like, oh, that big guy, that slugger that's got the big contract. And it wasn't until the season this year when he flirted with 60 home runs that people even in this town started to take notice. So it's a tough question because you're, you're right. To be a super, superstar, you can't just be a superstar in your town. You have to be a superstar that transcends. And outside of Dwayne given his legacy, I don't think we have that from anyone right now. I, I do think that Stan was on his way, though, because I think you've seen since he's joined the Yankees that he's, I wouldn't say single-handedly, but he's created a bump in the interest in the Yankees in New York. So at the very least, they had to have been paying attention to know that he, I, I mean, beyond the fact that he's the NL MVP, that I, I think he produces the thing in baseball that people want to see the most. His performance in San Diego in that home run derby, I think, did transcend mm-hmm. baseball and was probably more recognized nationally than it was locally. And I do think that Stan just 
just by virtue of what he did, he wasn't a doubles hitter who had an on-base percentage of 420. You know, he hit bombs, and people love to see that. And so I, I, I do think he would have been on his way, and he certainly would have been on his way if instead of tearing the team down, they built around him and, and built a playoff contender. And don't you think, Will, that, I mean, when you look back at, uh, I look back at Cabrera, and again, he's, he didn't end up in New York, he ended up in Detroit, but he needed to get out of here for his star to really blossom. Like, I, I mean, it, it, he got noticed down here, and obviously, you know, he hits the home run off Clemens as a rookie in the World Series, and that certainly helped. Mm-hmm. But I feel like even with Cabrera, he needed to, I, I feel like that's happened with a number of Marlins players, where, you know, someone like uh, Christian Yelich, I think, is going to be much more appreciated now, even though he didn't go to a big market. He's going to be much more appreciated outside of this market than he was inside this market. But yeah, if, if they had kept Stanton, and I, I think that's the other thing about this Marlins teardown, is that we talk about there being an opportunity now. Like the other teams, like let's say, and I I know this is a a whole other podcast and one we're probably going to have a lot of talk about this with Barry when we have fun tomorrow. But, you know, if you look at the market right now being so barren, right, where the Dolphins don't have a face and, you know, didn't have a a great, you know, uh, weren't on great standing even before some of these moves. You know, the Heat are, you know, kind of, you know, a slightly above average team at this stage Mm -hmm. with with slightly above average players for the most part. You know, the Marlins, if they had kept that core together, as we said, Stanton would have won that poll easily, right? I mean, like, forget Ozuna and Yelich and and D. Gordon even. If you just throw Stanton on the same poll that I put out there, he beats Dragic pretty handily, right? I mean, uh, so I think that you talk about missed opportunities for the Marlins. This was an opportunity for them to step forward, and now they're kind of going right back uh, to the beginning. I do want to let's get to the Dolphins here because I, I mentioned that it's there's not a ton of great options, but there are a couple guys. Um, the one that jumps to mind for me first because he plays a position where fans will notice him, um, and he had a great finish to the season is Kenyon Drake. That would be the one guy as I look at their roster right now. I mean, the corners, potentially, you know, a couple of young guys in Tankersley and Howard. But I, I would, you know, maybe Charles Harris develops. And, and obviously we've seen with Jason Taylor that Jason had some other things going for him. But, but you can transcend as a pass rusher. But to me, I look at the Dolphins guys right now, and Kenyon Drake would be the guy that jumps out at me. I mean, Drake is a guy that's got the potential, but running backs are so tough because they come and go so often. You know, right when you thought J.H.I. was the next mm-hmm. running back, he's gone, and you know how long Drake's going to be here, the shelf left running backs. Also, the success of the Dolphins has a lot to do with that is if they get good. Again, I, I have to go back, and even though Ryan Tannehill is a six- or seven-year veteran, I still believe it or not, there's two guys I go with on this list with Dolphins. I go with Tannehill because he's just 29, about to turn 30, and now with his restructuring, has at least a couple of years left. And I think if the Dolphins show improvement in the next couple of years, they may then commit to Tannehill, and he can play until his mid-30s. So he could be that guy that the Dolphins actually do become good is part of that process. Number two is a guy that I don't even know his name yet because it's the 11th pick of the draft. Whoever the Dolphins decide they're going to take an 11, and if it's a kind of player that can make an impact on defense and be that next Jason Taylor-type player, Zach Thomas, I think that potentially could be the player because we said it and we've said it throughout. The Dolphins don't have that guy. They have Cam Wake at the tail end of his career who's been a very good player. Again, not that big personality in the community, but obviously a dominant player on the field. They have other guys, Rashad Jones, very quality player, a Pro Bowl type player, but doesn't get that next level to stardom. And I think to be a star, you got to right away jump in, become that player, become that star. I think the 11th pick in the draft, whoever that is for the Dolphins, if it turns out to be a, uh, one of these defensive players we hear about so much that could be there, that could be the guy. Obviously, if it's an offensive lineman, that's not going to be the guy. Obviously, if the Dolphins somehow traded up and got one of those quarterbacks, which seems unlikely now, that would be the guy eventually. So 
it, the answer is not easy when it comes to the Dolphins. They don't have anyone that you can just say easily, okay, that's the guy. But isn't – I mean, this is the argument for why the Dolphins should take quarterback at 11 or should have been, you know, trying to trade up to go and get a guy like Baker Mayfield because if the Dolphins draft Baker Mayfield, he could not play a snap next year and instantly become the biggest star for the Dolphins by a by lot. Far. By, by far, by far yeah. just just by virtue of the fact that he has a college pedigree and a college resume, and this is why the Dolphins fans are clamoring so much, and every year they fall in love with a different guy for the Dolphins to go and get a quarterback, and I actually think the Dolphins have drafted relatively well over the last few years, just in terms of you know being lucky with the guy that they ended up with, even in, you know, like, Devontae Parker hasn't worked out, but in, you got him at 14, that's pretty decent in terms of what you can get at 14, so I think that if the Dolphins... You know, if these reports that had been sort of leaking out over the combine and all that stuff, and they still may be true, they may still go and get someone, but if they actually drafted quarterback at 11 and attempted to find their next guy that can replace Tannehill, I, I think he would instantaneously become the biggest name for the Dolphins. So I don't think they're going to do that. 100%. I don't think they're going to do that at this point, but I, I would have liked to see them try. Yeah, if they do that, if they look, what would be the instant top-selling jersey? Baker Mayfield, that Baker Mayfield jersey, he may not actually wear the game to play, but it would be the top sell of the Dolphins yes, would. going into the season. Oh, by, by far. That's, and that's why this town, again, we need, when Dwayne Wade fell into our lap and, and Pat Riley and, and those guys and Andy, those guys somehow figured out you know, it all worked out that they were convinced eventually to take Dwayne and they pulled the trigger. Little did we know that you know, 15 years later we'd be talking about him as the biggest star in this town in three titles. The Dolphins need that. They need that guy to fall into their lap, or they need to go get that guy to fall into their lap and have that person for the next decade because I'm not sure that person is on the roster right now. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, we, we look at, at their other positions too. I mean, they it looks like they drafted reasonably well taking Laramie Tunsil, even though he had a step back year, but your left tackle is not going to be uh, Never, the, star, the star of a market, right? That's not going to happen. I mean, it can happen. It can happen with a defensive player. If you have a dynamic defensive player, but again, they haven't had a dynamic, a really dynamic defensive player since that core four from from those teams I talked about with Jason and Zach and and Pat and Sam. I mean, they had Joey Porter here for you know a little while, and and you know they made the big splash for Carlos Dansby. Like they've brought in guys. Carlos Dansby said he would be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, they've brought in guys who were confident, who said they were going to be the next guy, and it hasn't hasn't really happened. But Jason and Zach kind of made their own stars, you know, over time. And, and again, both of them had the thing that the next Dolphin guy will have to have, which is both of them had magnetic personalities in different ways. Like, Zach was the yeah. everyman, right? Like, people, kids grew up wanting to be Zach Thomas. They thought they could be Zach Thomas. And Zach, we talk about accessibility. I mean, Zach was as accessible as any athlete I've oh, ever covered. I mean, Zach, was, Zach yeah. would stand there for 30 minutes after probably being concussed in a game. I mean, I, I remember... Right, and I and I hope for Zach all goes well going forward because I remember uh, a goal line stand against Atlanta during Zach's prime, where where he made uh, three tackles uh, during that goal line stand. And I when we interviewed Zach after that game, I wasn't sure Zach was all there at that point, and yet he still stayed there with us for nearly thirty minutes trying to recap everything that happened. And then on the other hand, you had Jason, who was sort of the more regal of the two appealed also to women as well as men, which I think helps mm -hmm. you become the face of a franchise and the face of a market, made dynamic plays. Like, I mean, all-time leader in touchdowns, right, from the, you know, from his position. You're going to have to have that for a Dolphin other than a quarterback to really transcend. You're going to have to want it. I mean, isn't that another way of putting it, too? You're going to have to want to be that face. And, and we've mentioned him at least a dozen times now in this last hour or so, and that's Ryan Tannehill. 
if he wanted it, could have it. Look at Ryan Tannehill, the parallel with Dwayne Wade. Dwayne's career, obviously, you can't touch that as far as success. But the accessibility to be a star in town, and this town, he's got a, you know, Dwayne has a beautiful wife who's out there and active with him in Gabriel Union, and they do things together, and they're very active. Ryan has a beautiful wife. You know, him and Lauren, if they, if they wanted to be out there, and they wanted to be out there and, and, and be part of the community in, a, in an outward way, and I'm not saying they don't do things in the community. I'm saying they do it very behind the scenes, and that's their right. They don't want to be as public as others. But if Ryan Tannehill wanted this town, he could absolutely have a huge piece of this town. He is the Dolphins' starting quarterback for the last six, seven years, and he's barely part of our conversation as far as stars. How does that work? It's because he doesn't want it. Because if he wanted it and really wanted to take it and go out there, he's been a productive player. Let's let's be honest. Ryan Tannehill is not a superstar, but it's not like he sucked for the last you know six seven years. He's been a quality player. He just has been a quality player who wants to remain behind the scenes. It's his right to do so, but because of it, he's just kind of in the background when it comes to stars in this town. All right, let's get to number five here. And just to let you guys know, while we were doing the pod, I've actually put up a poll here on at Five Reasons Pod for the next big star. In South Florida Pro Sports, and again, not surprising because of our audience, but uh, the Heat guys are are way ahead. Um, I put uh, uh, Kenyon Drake, Bam Adebayo, Josh Richardson, Lewis Brinson, who I'm going to talk about next, on this list. And so far, almost 200 votes already. Bam at 44%, Josh Richardson at 27%, Kenyon Drake at 21 and Brinson at 8%. But for the last part of the pod, uh, we do want to get to Brinson and some of the other guys that maybe uh, people down here have not heard of right now. And, and the, the good thing, Will, I guess, about a, a fire sale, uh, we've been through this before with the Marlins, is that these Marlins fire sales you know, do produce stars. Now, maybe this one won't produce as many because there was you know, sort of a desire to just get rid of guys in the Stanton deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they, they got fair value, maybe didn't get fair value in the Ozuna deal either. But it appears they might have gotten fair value in the, in the Yelich deal. And you know, we'll see how that goes. But again, all of these guys we talked to, a lot of guys we've talked about over the years, I mean, Hanley Ramirez came to the Marlins in, in a fire sale, right, yeah. with that team in, in 2006. So you can get great players in those deals, and then eventually, of course, you get rid of them when they become too expensive. But the one name that's popped up the most here, Will, and I know you're a baseball guy at heart, is Lewis Brinson. What are the chances from an ability standpoint, and then also from, obviously, the Marlins' sort of difficulty translating down here, that he becomes one of those faces? Well, he fits the bill. I mean, he's got the profile. And what have we talked about? You know, you got to be good, obviously. He is good. He's got all the tools. He's a defensive player. He's also an offensive player. He can electrify you with you know, line drive, gap power, developing it eventually home run, 20, 25 home run power, 20 steel, 30 steel kind of guy, and that defense. He's an electric, vibrant player. That's number one. Number two is he's a personality. Man, he is well-spoken. He's a very handsome guy. He's a very imposing figure. When I saw him at spring training a few weeks ago, I mean, I'm 6'2". I'm a pretty tall guy, so unless you're a basketball player, it never really – I don't feel you're overpowering, overtowering me. Brinson's legit 6'4", you know, two-something of just muscle. He is a big, big guy, strong guy, broad shoulders. He's got a big smile, just a likable personality. And then the final part of it, he's local. He's a South Florida kid who has ties to the community family-wise. He's remained a part of the community. You know, with this whole Parkland tragedy, he actually played very close to Parkland. That was one of his rivals, Coral Springs. He's a guy that loves this community. So when you combine those three things, talent, personality, and accessibility to the community and being local, and then getting the opportunity to the team that's starting from scratch, he's got every opportunity 
to become a star in this town. But again, that's a lot to ask for when the first step is being good. He's going to get a chance this year as a rookie. I'm sure he'll have his ups and downs, but he's a young guy with everything going for him. So I think he could certainly be that next guy that you mentioned from Marlins guys they've gotten in trades in the past. He can be that next guy. He's got every everything checked. All the boxes are checked to do that. Yeah, and I, I think he was the only one out of that fire sale that – even reached out to the community in any kind of aspect. You mentioned the fact that he's local. There was that story about the fact that he was so excited to meet Juan Pierre, and it was the only oh, it, was, it, it was the only kind of story that came out of that that I remember. I was like, oh, okay, that's like at least kind of cool that there's a, a local kid that's coming to play home. But then we're in the middle of this podcast. I looked up my Twitter, and he has eight thousand Twitter followers. So I I, I mm-hmm. feel like you know there there there's a ways to go there and I mean I think we oh, wow. get, yeah. if, if if we kind of look at the other players in this field with the University of Miami that that could have uh, from a basketball point of view that could have taken off if they hadn't gotten kicked in the nads in a in a buzzer beater and if they were heading towards the Sweet Sixteen I think you might see like some momentum for a player like Lonnie Walker who all of a sudden you, you know he has he has a look. He had some really cool moments this year in the season, but they just kind of had a disappointing season both in the regular and in the postseason. So I don't know if he's mm-hmm. going to be there. He's still someone that I think Miami fans will keep track of because uh, he might he might end up being a lottery pick in the upcoming NBA draft. I saw that uh, on Draft Express for ESPN, they have him as a lottery mm-hmm. pick. So he's someone that could be followed, but uh, I'd say at this point it's not going to be a star locally. From a football point of view, Really, the star last season was the turnover chain. So if that mm-hmm. comes back, uh, maybe maybe, maybe maybe that sort of continues. But I don't think there's any individual right now that really kind of stood out from that team that's gonna that's gonna really translate into the future. Uh, hockey again with Barkov. I mean, I, I think you know he if they go on a, like a Pittsburgh Penguins kind of run and become like a perennial playoff team, they're getting the Stanley Cup Finals, and South Florida catches the fever, then maybe he get he gets to ride that wave. But they need to have a lot of success in order for that to happen. And you mentioned earlier, and it's actually kind of funny because I'm the soccer guy and I hadn't thought of it, but this team's going to start in 2020. And if they bring in next year uh, someone from Europe who's one of the big names in world soccer, I mean... I'll throw Ronaldo out there just because he's someone mm-hmm. that I mean, although he's been brilliant lately, he's been scoring goals for fun. I think I think he's probably going to stay in Spain for another year. So may I, I don't know if that's a possibility. Obviously, Messi was linked fr- from that that press conference from him kind of having a little Instagram video. But if they bring in a massive global celebrity and that soccer team hits the ground running before any other team, you know, it really takes off and has these kinds of stars, I wouldn't rule out that Miami MLS could have that Miami's next. Biggest star, so I just think from a, a, a future-looking point of view, those are kind of all the places that it could come from, and I, it's kind of curious to see where it ends up. And, and what's interesting about it too, I mean, the thing about Lonnie Walker, of course, was it, the better he got, the less chance he was going to stay beyond one year. So it, it's tough for for a UM basketball player, um, you know, to to really emerge as that guy, in part because of the profile of the sport and the fact that college basketball doesn't really register that much uh, in South Florida, but also. Whenever Larniega gets somebody who's really good, um, they're going to be here for only one or two years. The, the one guy I did want to mention, though, the UM quarterback always has a profile. Um, and, I, you know, again, I don't think it's going to be with a the guy they played last year. But I think if Nkozi Perry becomes the quarterback and is what people are projecting him to be, we've seen you can be one of the top stars in this market 
as the UM quarterback. I mean, Gino Toretta certainly was. I mean, you go back to Jim Kelly, Bernie Kosar, Steve Walsh. I mean, the list of names is pretty is pretty long. Ken Dorsey. Uh, you can be, you know, you, first thing, you can be the biggest star in Miami playing for UM. I mean, we've seen that before, yeah, whether absolutely. it was Ed Reed or Ray Lewis. Even like Ja'Cory Harris was like a medium to big level star, so... I yeah, think, I, I mean, think Brad Kaya. I think Brad Kaya was a step away from doing it. Remember when all the buzz was yeah. that he could be a top five pick? And I mean, he ended up not playing well that year. But if Brad had taken that team and made a big push and been a top pick, you know, potentially he would have been a star in this town. Right, because generally, unlike again a guy like Lonnie Walker who's going to stay for one year and it's not the biggest program at UM, the UM quarterback can be the UM quarterback for three seasons, and so there's an opportunity to grow with that guy. And we saw last year with with how this market kind of rallied around, um, you know, that team that didn't even have a quarterback that a lot of people were comfortable with. Uh, so you know, if Perry wins the job and, and it is what they say, he could be good that guy. You mentioned also. Um, I think the soccer point is interesting. You know, from the Panthers' perspective, they got a lot of really good young players. Borgstrom's a guy they're going to be calling up here pretty soon. But but you're right, Chris. I mean, they they have to. They've got to be competing for cups. I mean, if they if they're competing for cups, then some guys can translate. Because I go back to I covered that team that was my first year in, in covering teams down here in South Florida in '96. I was with that team that went to the Stanley Cup final. People knew who Brian Scrudlin was. People knew who John Van Beesbrook was for the most part. Scott um, Mellaby. Scott Mellaby. Those guys were yeah. That they were, and, and they didn't have they didn't have a big star scorer on that team uh, or anything even close to it. They had a lot of third line guys uh, who came together at the right time. So Brant Van Beesbrook was probably the biggest star, but Van Beesbrook was one of the five biggest stars in South Florida during that period of time. So it can be done. But the other thing about Van Beesbrook was English was his first language. Um, that certainly helps. You know, a lot of the guys that the Panthers have developed lately, that's not the case for. You know, I look at a guy like Vincent Trocek, who's very well-spoken and, and a funny guy and all the rest. But, again, he would have to be the best player on the team for him to even be able to make that case. So, so some interesting names. Will, you're more familiar with, with what the Marlins got this offseason, I think, than we are. Is there anybody besides Brinson that you think could have that kind of high-level upside, or is he really the one guy to look at? No, I think the other guy is Monte Harrison. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's, all, that's as big a prospect as Brinson. He's the number two prospect. They also got in that deal, but he's further away. He's a couple of years away, but he has got he has got more upside, I think, than Brinson from a from what you talked about earlier, Chris. And that's the home run and the attention grabbing. Monte Harrison's a guy who could be a thirty thirty guy potentially. He's a guy that is just he's like a football player's body type guy. Uh, he reminds me a lot, and I'm mean, maybe going way too old school, but he reminds me a lot of Brian Jordan. Remember the Braves outfielder yeah. who also played in the NFL? Kind of that strong lower body, could do everything on the field. He's got that type of build. His brother, actually, Shaq Harrison, we did a story on it recently. You guys are familiar plays in the NBA for the Suns. Just made his debut recently. Monte has got an electric personality. Such a likable and funny, fun guy. I could see him in a couple of years developing, but from a immediate perspective look Brinson's going to be in the show this year he's going to get the immediate shot to make an impact on a bad team he's the one who gets the first crack but Harrison can definitely in a couple of years he's got the potential to be that next guy all right Will thank you for joining us on this we appreciate it you can follow him at Will Manso you can follow Chris at Chris Whittingham I am at at Ethan J Skolnick but definitely uh, check out our Twitter feed because uh, I'm just uh, well we're all sort of posting constantly on that at five reasons pod and we will have announcements uh later this week about some other pods definitely check out the last one in our library uh with brian winhorse i know there are some heat fans who still you know maybe they might not want to download a winhorse pod i can tell you that brian was very complimentary 
very complimentary of the Heat organization and also had great stories from the Big Three era. So definitely, definitely check that one out. Our next two pods will be with Barry Jackson at Florida Sports Buzz or at FLA Sports Buzz the Miami Herald. And because he begged us, at Adam H. Beasley. Adam Beasley, who covers the Dolphins for the Miami Herald, will be joining us later in the week. We'll talk to you soon.